to um, visit in a friend's church in Glendive, Montana. That is, uh, don't feel bad if you haven't heard of it. It's, it's a tiny town in eastern Montana. And a uh, beautiful town. Had a good time. We stayed there like six days with them and played golf and went to Theodore Roosevelt's National Park and saw a show. They do a show in Medora. Anyway, we had a good time, but I got to, I had the opportunity to preach in his church last Sunday. So you would think I would be on vacation and I would just totally take it off. But man, he threw me the opportunity and I was like, absolutely. You don't get to preach in somebody else's church very often, right? And so it was a good time and good people. But I'm telling you, it's, 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 eye-opening to see that the church of God is good all over the world, all over the planet, man. It's so fun to just fellowship and visit with other believers that are just, they're doing it, right? They're living the word, and they're seeing results in their lives, and it's fun. I mean, I found out that living the word, doing the word has absolutely changed my life for the better, absolutely, and it works every single place in the world. So we're in Little Glendive, and uh, this church was founded like 30-some years ago by uh, my buddy's father-in-law, his, his wife's dad, and pastored this church and grew it, and then the Lord just put it on his heart to begin to plant other churches around the area. So they have, right now they have four, they're working on their fifth church planting, and he's got family members that he, they raised up in the church that are uh, pastoring these churches. And so um, they say consistently, you know, we're one church, but we're in four locations. And they have four separate pastors and four separate agendas, and, but they all, they all come together and they do things together. And I just thought it's so cool to see the body of Christ just come together and work together like that and, and really impact an area of the world that needs to be impacted. Amen? Yeah, I mean, you got to have churches in small towns too. Is that right? And we're called to the West Plains of Spokane. I wouldn't call this a small town area, but we have a place right here right here in the West Plains, where we're going to reach people, see their lives change and set free. But I said all that to say is, as um, our friends kind of came into that role of stepping into that pastor position of this church, and their father-in-law went to pastor the church over in Dickinson, um, North Dakota, that they had people that were with them when they were youth pastors at that church, because they were raised up in the church. They were youth pastors and associates and helpers, and they worked, and they grind, grounded out, and they were teaching people the word and showing them what God's word said and teaching them how to walk out the word, not just be a Christian on Sunday, right? Dress up and put on some nice cologne and, you know, slick your hair back with some grease, right? I mean, it was like every day, Monday, all the way back to Monday, right? You're living this Christian life. And they pointed out a couple people that, that were not even married at the time together. They grew up in the youth group. They found each other. They got married. They started attending church. But because they stayed with them and they plugged in and they learned from them, they began, they began to be doers of the word themselves. I'm talking about who their youth pastors are now. And they saw these kids grow up. They taught them and instructed them. And these, now, out of all the youth group, there was many that did this. But this one couple stood out because they grounded out they stayed with the Lord, they used, they used the word, they spoke the word, they did the word, they were givers, tithers, they were given of their time to the church, they see the value in sowing into the kingdom, and now they're flourishing. You know, they're young adults with young kids, and they're flourishing because they sowed the time, they took the time to be doers of the word. My job as a pastor is to teach you guys to be doers of the word, not just hearers only, not just, man, that was a really good, whatever he said was really good. What did he talk about? Right? Like to remember and to apply and then to walk it out. Because I can talk to you all day. I mean, I'm good at it. I could go, 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 go. Right? Every, you want to come back tomorrow? I could go tomorrow too. But if you don't step out, right? It's up to you. You got to step out and say, I'm going to be a doer of the word. This is what the word says about me. And start applying it to your life in your situation. 
you won't get the results God's destined you to have. Man, it was so fun to see that. And there's some of you have come a long way, right? You start coming, start hearing the word, start finding out, man, there's something you can say about your situation. There's scriptures that you can apply to your life, right? And things be changing, right? Be getting better, right? Got a little, I don't know where that came from. Montana, we'll blame it on Montana, right? And things can get better. They can change. They can develop into the men and women that God destined you to be just by being doers of the word and not just hearers only. That's exciting. That means there's plans, there's purposes, there's places to go, amen? We finished a series on talking about temptation, overcoming sin, uh, holiness, about living holy, holy life. I finished that, uh, finished that up right before we left. And uh, Bryant came last week. Was that good? Were you guys here for Bryant? He's fun, isn't he? Gets fired up. Man, I love the way he just brings it, brings it out loud. And, uh, and he came last week, so that was good. And um, I'm glad you guys were here. But we're going to start a new series. The Lord's been talking to me about this for a while, and he put a couple other things in front of it, but we're going we're gonna to dive into it for a, at least a few weeks on the subject of prayer, the subject of prayer. And I want to very intentionally shatter some of your conceptions and ideas of what prayer looks like, because uh, prayer has become very religious. Anybody notice? So we're going to look at a few scriptures that, um, that Jesus talked about. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to cover a little bit of prayer. I'm telling you, prayer is big time. Prayer is something we can master as Christians, and we can be effective. When I talk about prayer, mastering prayer, I'm talking about having prayer that's effective, right? We don't want to just pray prayers that hit the wall and bounce off. We want to pray effective, fervent prayers, right? Jesus said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? We need, to, we need to know that. In the Word, we hear these things. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, true? So we've got to understand that prayer is important. Matthew chapter 6. We can get better at this. You know that, right? <clears throat> Anybody figure out you can improve a little bit in some areas? Anybody arrived? Did anybody leave the station yet, right? I haven't arrived, but I left, right? I left, I left where I was, and I'm on, I'm on course, amen? So we're gonna learn a few things about prayer. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter six, who's there? You with me? Let's go to verse five. Verse five. Jesus said, and when you pray, you shall not pray like the hypocrites. Wow, that's a great way to start it. When you pray... Don't pray like the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Somebody that pretends to be something they are not. They act one way in front of people and on the side or out of sight or with their close friends and family, they are something else. Hippocrito, right? And who gets the most hypocrite definitions? Who gets called the hypocrites the most in our society right now? Come on. Christians, right? The religious. We get that title because they see us talk one way, go to church one way, and in our backyard with the dog or the kids, right? We're another way, right? Is that true? He said, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. For they love to, pr- for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room, 
And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret place, in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He'll reward you openly. This is a big this is this is big news, right? Praying has become um, very, very wordy. Let me just put it that way. Praying has become very wordy in our religious circles. Very wordy. You know what I mean by that? Lots of words, little impact. We, uh, we like to tell stories when we pray. We like, you know, I've called it the storytelling prayer, right? Oh, Lord, you saw what she did to me yesterday. How she cut me off. Oh, Lord, and how she break-checked me after that. Oh, Lord, you saw the anger in my heart and how, how I wanted to lash out. But I didn't. You just, you just storytelling, right? God knows all this stuff. You don't have to, that's just for you. It's like standing on the corner, just listening to yourself talk. That's not prayer. God's not even, he's not really even involved in that. He's waiting for you to get to the point. Anybody have, have moments like that? Somebody's going to come tell you something and they give you the whole front end and I'm like, please just get to the question. Dear Jesus, just let's lead with the question, and then I can filter as you're talking. Right? Is that true? And our father is kind of like, he's not, he's not a dummy. He's pretty smart, right? And he's just waiting for us to get to the, the Bible part, the scriptural part, the, when you start agreeing with him and confessing his word and, and get to the actual request. Right? I mean, he, he knows this stuff. We just go on little rants and we call it prayer. It's, it's a waste of time. It really is. He never asked us to rant or to rehash or to show him the problem, ever. He always told us to speak to the problem, right? To speak the solution. If there is a mountain in front of you, you pray, dear God, please remove the mountain. If there's a mountain in front of you, you speak what? To the mountain. To it. We got, we got a lot of stuff that we think is prayer. It's not prayer. We're wasting energy and time. <clears throat> There's a couple things to say. You're going to love this. It's exciting. Let me tell you. I want to be effective in my prayer life. Amen? I want to I see results. I want to take and use everything that he's given me to access heaven immediately. Not roundabout, take forever. Do you know when you're praying, you're not trying to get God to do anything? Your prayers are not designed to move God in any way, shape, or form. Ouch. It's like we're trying to get him to get up and do something for me. Do you see how prideful that is? I mean, when we really think about it, God... Why aren't you doing something for me? Prayer is mostly just repeating back to God what he already said about the situation. It's just speaking. It's, he said, put me in remembrance of what I've already said. It's a lot of thanksgiving, a lot of praise. Prayer in its basic form is communion and fellowship with the Father. That's prayer. Isn't that amazing? That's why Paul could say, pray without ceasing. And in our heads, we're going, I got stuff to do. How can I pray without ceasing, right? How's the, mo the lawn going to get mowed and the bill's going to get paid, 
right? And the oil going to get changed. How can I pray without ceasing? He's talking about fellowship. Communion, staying connected to the source. You know you can do that? (laughs) How good would your marriage be if you only were committed to talking to your spouse for 45 minutes a day? Time's up, gotta go, got stuff to do. See you tomorrow. You be by yourself real quick, right? I mean, we do this to God though. We give him, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna give God 25 minutes. Yeah, that's a lot. And then see you tomorrow. But he wants to commune and talk to us all the time, all day. You can have conversations going with your heavenly father in your heart, in your thoughts, regular. He wants to be around there. It's not just petitioning, on your knees, praying, closed off. Jesus said when you're going to make a request, when you make a petition, when you are going to pray about something, don't do it for show. Do it in secret so that God can reward you and you can put all the glory on him, right? I've literally heard people pray their needs in groups of people that could meet their needs. How dumb is that? Now, who do you give glory to? Lord, you know we need $10,000, and we need it today, Lord. Looking at all the guys with checkbooks. Come on. Pray that prayer in secret. Let God do it. Then he gets all the glory. That's what he's talking about. It's not for show. Yeah. God is good to us. Prayer length is not a prerequisite for godly praying. You know that? We're the ones that put these restrictions on ourselves. I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray for two hours every morning. Good night. What a burden that is. I remember hearing a preacher say this. He was like, I got a, I got a revelation of prayer that I wanted to pray and spend time with the Lord. And so I was going to get up and I was going to pray an hour a day at seven o'clock. Pray for a straight hour. And he said, no. And then I changed it. I was going to pray for two hours. Two hours a day starting at seven o'clock. That's going to be my, my discipline and my regimen. That's what I'm going to do. He's into this two or three months. He said it was the driest, most horrific time of his day. Just dreading, oh, having to go pray at 7 a.m. And he finally says, Lord, I'm just confiding in you because you know all things anyway. You know it's in my heart, but I got to tell you, I am not looking forward to 7 o'clock ever. Matter of fact, by 6.30, I'm dreading spending time with you at 7 o'clock and praying for two hours. And the Lord spoke right back to his spirit and said, I start dreading it at six. (laughs) He's like, well, my lightning fast mind was, well, if you're not enjoying it and I'm not enjoying it, why are we doing this? This is terrible, right? Because it was, it was just religion. It was rote. It was just lifeless. I mean, you wouldn't even treat your own spouse like that, your own kids like that. This is it. This is what you get. I don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to talk. Go. Like, life's way more fun when you're out there just enjoying life and fellowshipping with each other, right? It's a big deal. We need to learn how to commune with the Father like this, to talk to Him. Not that we don't bring requests, not that we don't bring things to Him because He asked us to, but those prayers are super short. I believe that the request portion of your prayer life should be 5 or 10% or less because they're short. You don't have to storytell to make the request. He knows all things before you ask, but he still requires the ask. Lord, you know what we need. This is it. I'm laying it before you. I'm asking you for it. 
and I thank you for it. Now, from here on out, I'm just going to be thankful for it because I've made the request in Jesus' name. Short. It's easy. Well, then what else do we do for the rest of the the hour? What do we do? My suggestion is unless the Lord has specifically spoken to your heart to spend some extra time with him, that you just learn to fellowship with him on a regular basis throughout the day. Check in. It does take effort. Why? Because we are carnal, right? We are fleshy. We are so used to just doing our own thing and checking the boxes and I got this done, I'm going to this, I'm going to this, I'm going to this, I'm going to this, and then collapsing into bed at the end of the day. We're good at that. We do that all the time. But he wants to be involved in these decisions, these, you know, these moments where you can hear from him, he can hear from you. Do you know that Jesus only prayed all night once for sure, and there's a potential of twice in the whole recordings of the New Testament? Think about that. The time he prayed all night, the first time he prayed all night, was right before he chose the 12 disciples. Pretty big decision. Wouldn't you think? That's not a, which grocery store are we going to tomorrow type of prayer night, right? It's a big decision. He prayed all night. He heard from the Lord. The Lord specifically chose who the 12 would be, including Judas. <laughs> prayed all night. He prayed a portion of the night in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was about to be betrayed and go to the cross. Pretty big evening, I would say, wouldn't you? On the cusp of the entire world. But other than that, you'd have to stretch the scripture to say he'd prayed for extended lengths of time. He did pray. He spent time with the Lord, but he fellowshiped. And he got away and he got by himself. He was constantly, Jesus was constantly saying, I only do the things that I hear the Father, or that I see the Father do, and I only say the things I hear the Father say. When did he get that? It wasn't in an all-night prayer session because we only have two, maybe two recorded. He got that while he was communing and fellowshipping with the Lord throughout the day. And he would, he would steal away from the crowd. When you're, when you're ministering and you are, uh, the flow of God is flowing through you and out of you, right? It is on your physical body, it is a drain. Your life's work, the things that you're doing, your body needs to rest, amen? And you do need to steal away. You need to pull away. You do need to take some time to rest and to focus. But he's saying, don't just use those times to commune with me. Commune with me all day long. Fellowship with me all day long. Just being aware of God. We spent, Cody and I, our entire vacation together. We saw each other the whole time. And we had a good time. And we got along. And we didn't talk the entire time. All the men said, thank you, Jesus. Right? But we were, we were together and fellowshipping and communing. And we were getting along and having a good time and spending time together. Do you see? That doesn't mean we had this intense, you can, we're only counting this intense talk, this intense eye-to-eye contact, this... No, we counted all of it. We were together the whole time. God wants to be with us all the time. Amen? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Turn with me to Genesis. Sorry, fellas, I didn't give you that one. It was on the fly. Genesis. Thank you, Lord. God created Adam and Eve, in the, put them in the garden, and here they are in like paradise, right? 
Everything they need is provided. They don't have any rascal relatives, right? I mean, it's just them. And yet every day, the Lord came down and communed with them, fellowship with them. And you think about this, they didn't have one request to make, not one. What would they ask for? Got it all? Covered, right? But they still had communion with the Lord, fellowship with Him. And we just, we get, our, as Christians, we get this mindset that, you know, if we're going to pray, we've got to pray, we got to be praying about something. If we're going to talk and be running our mouth, it's got to be about something. We've got to be making a request about something, asking Him for something. But again, that's just a small percentage of our fellowship with the Lord. He wants to know what you're thinking and feeling. Well, he knows what I'm thinking and feeling. He wants to hear about it from you. He does. He's a good God. He wants this relationship. It's why he created us. We're, we're going to be spending eternity fellowshipping with our creator. But it takes a little bit of effort on our part to recognize God, God cares. He does want to talk to me. He does want to hear from me. Just little stuff. Ask him questions about little stuff. Not necessarily making requests, but just getting direction. It's good for your spirit to be led in little things. Because as the things get bigger that you need to be led in, you've already proven it when you couldn't find your watch, right? When the keys went missing, right? I mean, these, these are important things to just say, Lord, I know this isn't a big deal to you, but I'm about to put a roast in the oven and I need to know, you know, how long to cook this for. Or what should I season it with? Or come on, he... You're like, oh, that's trivial. That, I can Google that. Sure you could. You can Google lots of things. It's just practice. It's practice. He cares. He might give you some ideas you never thought of if we'll just ask him. You know, he's not short on ideas at all. I've, I've heard the most ignorant things ever said. Most of the inventions have already been invented. How silly is that? No, they haven't. There's infinite number of inventions. He's infinite. He's got lots of ideas. He can help you with lots of different things. So we got to change this, this parameter in our mind of what prayer actually is. It really is fellowship and communion with the Lord. Regularly talking to him, listening as well. Listening. I hear the Lord speak to my spirit, and I say my spirit because you know on the inside this is him. He will never violate his word, but when he speaks to you, it, you know, it comes in the form. You think of it as thoughts. It come, it, he's, gotta, he's thinking through your brain. He's helping you so you can understand. You ever have those conversations? Lord, what about this? And this thought comes, and it's, it's him speaking. Recognizing what the, that that's him and not just you is something we just learn to do by just doing it, practicing, listening. It's good. It's good. Amen? Thank you, Lord. God is good. Fellowship and communion with God is supposed to be our prayer life. It's supposed to be that way. Amen. It's good news. Thank you, Lord. I quoted it, but I turned you there, but it, we, didn't, we didn't go there. So go back to Mark, or Matthew. Go back to Matthew. Do you keep your finger in there? Yeah, me neither. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. God is good. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. You know what's interesting about just asking the Lord about stuff? 
is that when we approach prayer, when we approach the Lord with prayer, when we recognize that we're not trying to move God or get God to do anything, it changes the way that we ask. It changes the way that we approach the prayer. The word, the very word in itself, salvation, right, uh, is commonly just left alone to just mean your soul is saved. You've, you've escaped eternity in hell, salvation. You've been saved. But in reality, the word salvation, saved, is a rich word. It's full. Its depths are almost endless. But it refers to and covers spiritual and material preservation, deliverance from fear of danger, as well as a, par- as, uh, a pardon, restoration, healing, wholeness, soundness in spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to read that again. Salvation refers to spiritual and material preservation, deliverance from fear of danger, as well as a pardon, restoration, healing, wholeness, soundness in spirit, soul, and body. Salvation covers everything. So when we come to the Lord, we have to understand that he's not going to move special on our behalf. He has done everything for us at the cross, at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He made all things available to his to his kids. So when we get saved, when we get born again, we're saved spirit, soul, and body, but he's made things available to us that we have to know are ours that we need to learn how to receive. Do you know a gift cannot be enjoyed until it was received? True? Even just this last couple weeks, I left a check for Chris because I was going to be gone over the first, so I left a check, but I forgot to tell him I left him a check. Well, what good is that? That was dumb, right? Planned ahead, forgot to tell him. So he couldn't enjoy the benefits of taking the check to the bank because he didn't know it was there because I put it in the ashtray. Don't go looking at my ashtray. <laughs> right? I mean, you got to know about the gift to receive it, to partake of it, true? And you've got to receive it. God's just trying to tell us, listen, I have made all things pertaining to life and godliness available to you. All things I've made available to you. Now we learn by the scriptures and by the word to stand in faith to receive them. They are there. It's like they're just hanging like fruit on a tree, just waiting for us to pick them. And when we pray, we have to understand that God is not withholding anything from us. He is trying to get things to us. So when you pray and you ask the Lord, he said that if you ask anything, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So if we're gonna ask in faith from Jesus, it's gonna have to be according to the word because you can't violate God's word when you're asking in faith. It's impossible. That's not a faith prayer. You can't even stand on that. But if it's in the word, if provision and health and healing are in the word, and they are, then you can, you can say, Lord, I know you've already provided it and I'm receiving it in Jesus' name. We're not asking him to heal us. He's already healed us. The Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. Past tense, when? When Jesus raised from the dead, when he took stripes on his back, died on the cross, raised from the dead. Done deal. Just before we left on vacation, this was last Sunday, we left, or not last Sunday, two Sundays ago, we left right after church and started driving into Montana. It was awesome. And the day before, I was putting my golf clubs up on top of the minivan, because you gotta bring your golf clubs on vacation, right? I was putting them up on the minivan and I like pushed one up with one arm. I don't know how I did it, but I lifted it up with one arm to set it on top and something in my back just went, just grabbed. I was like, that hurts. That hurts bad, right? Anybody ever had that happen? It's like, that doesn't feel good. That's not, that's not nice. And I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. You're my healer. 
you might feel I'm not going on vacation with a tweaked out back. And slept okay that night, but came to church. And before we started service, we had pre-service prayer. And I just asked the group we were praying with, I said, lay hands on me and pray because I've got a tweak in my back and I'm getting in a car for six hours when this is over. And who likes that? Nobody, right? And so they said, absolutely, they prayed, they came around, laid hands on me. And this is what I want to point out is that there's a, there's a way to pray for healing. And Dan and Leslie came up and they were the first ones to speak. And first things out of his mouth are, we release healing into this body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for healing this body in Jesus' name. Pain, go. Right? That's not a, oh, God, help me. Take this pain, if you will. Please, Jesus. Right? I mean, you can go all kinds of ways. But when you speak to the problem with authority, right, by the next day, no tightness. It's gone, recovered, right? Because we agreed. We spoke to it, we believed, and it happened. Right? And it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, there it is instantly. It was like, no, I got it in Jesus' name. I, I'm in agreement with fellow brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. It's a done deal. It's a totally different attitude than, we'll see. <laughs> see how I feel tomorrow. That's terrible. That's not faith. Faith is like, no, it was spoken, the word's true, it's right, and I'm walking in this in Jesus' name. You see the difference? So a lot of things that we have put as prayer, we have shoveled into the prayer category, really isn't prayer at all. It's just complaining. It's storytelling. And it's like, let's be effective, what does the word say? I say this all the time. If you're going to go before the Lord and you're going to pray, you better know what the word says, right? If you're going to ask something, if you're going to make a petition, if you're going to agree with what he already said about you, you got to know what he said about you. Man, you cannot waste time praying when you don't know what the word says. If you are ever praying a prayer, Lord, if it be thy will, you're in trouble because you don't know what the will of the Lord is. Jesus' only prayer when he's talking about will for himself was, Lord, if there's any way possible for this cup to pass. He knew what was coming. He said, if there's any other way, let's do that because I know what tomorrow brings. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He wasn't saying, Lord, if it be thy will. He was saying, if there is option B, let's do that. Amen? Amen. Man, we've got to know what the will of the Lord is. It will change, radically change our prayer lives. You'll be more effective. You'll be less tired <laughs> because you're living in this lifestyle of prayer where you can get up. And, and don't get me wrong. God, there'll be seasons when God's like, I need you to spend a little extra time in prayer. There's something coming that you need to be ready for. This is the beauty of being filled with the Spirit. You know, the Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, 9, 10, 19, all those experiences in Acts where we saw believers be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they spoke in other tongues. These, this experience is a real church living experience today. And it's beautiful because you can pray in the Spirit in an unknown language because the Spirit's given it to you and you can pray out the perfect will of God and still be clicking along. It's amazing. Paul said, when I pray in the Spirit, my mind is unfruitful, yet my spirit is being edified. It's being built up. It's encouraging. Jude says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, 
this is like so vital. This is how you're able to pray without ceasing. It's one of the tools. And it's, it's vastly overlooked in the church. And yet you've got to tear pages out of your Bible to not see that it's important for Christians today. I heard one preacher say that the, the whole New Testament was written by men that spoke in other tongues to the church that speaks in other tongues. It was the first thing they did when they came to, were you baptized? Yeah, we were baptized in John's baptism. Well, that's good. You need to be baptized in Jesus' baptism and you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they said, who's the Holy Spirit? Well, let me show you, right? I mean, it was over and over and over. They just didn't waste any time with it. You got saved, you got baptized in water, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, done. It was, it was, it was Christians. So here we are. We're looking, learning about, trying to figure out how to pray, how to honor the Lord, how to pray the perfect will of God. And he's given us this tool that's like inexplicable and we can walk in it. How cool is that? Thank you, Lord. So salvation covers everything. When you know, when you know what the plan of God is for your life and you have faith in the Lord, your prayers about situations can be super short. Jesus, on more than one occasion, spoke to a storm. You remember that? And it wasn't preceded by a half an hour of public prayer. He had come out of a season of prayer where he was, had seen some things, had fellowship with the Lord. But when he got to the problem, it was time to do something about the problem. He said three words, peace, be still. Short, right? And it listened. A friend of ours had a... Um, I told this story before, but they doing ministry and and um, wife had some headaches. She was having some trouble, so they went and get got checked out by the doctor. It's not it's not wrong or unscriptural to go get checked out by a doctor at all. Go get checked out. You guys, a problem going on? Go get checked out. Find out what it is. Then believe God. Hey, the name of Jesus is above every name, including whatever you just said. That's six syllables, right? The name of Jesus is above every name. Amen. And so they go get checked out and they do a scan that finds out that she's got a tumor in her brain. Like, right? Not a place you want extra stuff, right? And it's causing problems. And he knew the Lord and he knew the word and he understood what, what we can do. And he didn't go into this fit of, oh God, what are we gonna do? He went in after they found out. He went to his wife and he spoke to the tumor and said, Mr. Tumor, you have to go in Jesus' name. That was it. So that's all I said. That's all I had to say. I believed it. I believed it. So they, they, the doctors had already done all the scans. They had all the pictures. She was, they were prepping her for surgery. It was a big deal. They took her into surgery. They said, it's 50-50. We do the surgery and we get it out. She could be a vegetable. She could be fine. We don't know. It's in a dangerous spot. So they went in to do the surgery and they went in to find the tumor and they couldn't find it. It was gone. It was gone. And she was fine. She was perfectly fine. A little bit of recovery from that surgery, and she was perfectly fine, telling the testimony of, look what the Lord has done. When you have the picture that says it was there, and then you have the picture, you know, the day after, and it's gone, you have a testimony. It's all about understanding who we are in Christ, that God has made available to us his power, his authority, his healing. It's there, it's ready, it's able. So then the question is, well, then why isn't everybody being healed? 
we have to learn as believers how to receive. We have to learn how to receive. Jesus was called to one guy at the pool of Bethesda. Hundreds of people sick and injured, needing a touch from him. He goes to one guy, led by the Spirit of God to the one guy that when he says, rise, take your bed and walk, he will actually do it. And then Jesus just went away. Well, what about everybody else? This isn't hard. It's not complicated. This is easy. If we're not seeing God's kind of results in our lives, we need to stop putting the blame on him. He is not our problem. He never will be our problem. He wants us to understand how this word works. He wants us to understand what he's made available to us. He wants us to walk in faith with what he said. And it takes some work and some effort, some discipline to get in here and go, I believe this. You know, you can fellowship, you can pray, a a definition of communion while you're communing with his word. You're in the word, it's alive, things are jumping out at you, he's showing you things, bringing revelation while you're reading, I never saw that before. Was that word always in here, right? And he's talking to you and speaking to you and he's developing what's going on the inside while you're in his word. Our definition of prayer has got to change. What we spend our time in in prayer, it's got to change. We've got to make some changes and understand God has done so much for us. We can go after these things and know he will perform his word. He is not a respecter of persons. He will not say yes to one and no to another. That is not God. It's not God. I know in a group this size, you're all like applying this to your lives. I had an aunt, I had a cousin, I had a best friend. What about this accident? What about that? There's a lot of things that you and I with limited knowledge will not know. But I'm telling you, God's word is true and right and he is no respecter of persons. And he is not the thief, he is not the killer and he does not steal. He gives life and life more abundant. So if there's stuff going on that's not of God, that does not qualify in this salvation mode, it is not God. We have, if we were honest, you and I as Christians have yielded to the enemy in our lives. We have yielded to wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, done stupid stuff. Right? Am I the only one? I've done some stupid stuff and I had to pay the consequences for it. It wasn't fun, but I couldn't blame God for that. And some of these things are not as as obvious as others. Sometimes we're just unknowing and ignorant. We've all been there. God wants us to not be ignorant. He wants us to grow up and to mature and to understand some things because he wants us to have the God kind of results. He wants us to, desperately. Man, just go after it. We can have the same results in our lives that Jesus had. It is possible. He was the example. He was the standard. He knew God. He knew the word. He fellowshiped with him. And when he spoke, he meant it. That's why the word says we will give an account for our idle words. Pay attention to what we're saying, especially about stuff. We're even talking to our oldest. You know, she's 11. She's getting into that um, emotional, you know, you're growing up stuff, right? And you're dealing with thought. Anybody remember those times? You know, teenagers, junior high. Junior high was rough, wasn't it? I mean, nobody ever, ever said, my junior high was the best time of my life, ever. 
and you're going through all kinds of just stuff, right? And the enemy loves to take when you're going through tumultuous times and just bombard your mind with thoughts. And we're teaching her, you have to shut those thoughts down and you have to confess what you believe. So we're going through scripture and we're giving her confessions and this has to come from you. We can tell you, but this has to come out of your heart and out of your mouth. It's important that you speak, speak the word, speak what's right. And we're teaching her these things. And it's, as adults, we, are, we have to learn the same thing. What does the word say? And not agree with what the world says about that situation, whatever that is. If your finances aren't where they weren't, want, need to be and where you want them to be, they can increase. God can get you in the right place at the right time with the right job and the right people, and all of a sudden you turn around a year from now and go, what in the world? Thank you, Lord. That's exactly what I was speaking and believing. And you just see it come to pass. We have seen that happen in our lives. Just regular Joe's, right, so to speak, just using the word. God has increased us and helped us. Year over year, getting better. It took some time. It took some foundation. It took some establishment. But I'm telling you, there comes a time when, when all cylinders start firing. It took effort. It took resolve. It took commitment. It took belief. God wants to do better in this area. Because when you do better, let's just talk money for a second. When you do better financially and you're a giver, you can do more in the kingdom. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't God want to bless his kids that are generous? Why wouldn't he? It's a direct benefit, and he promised he would do it. If you're stingy and you're Scroogeish, you're going to have a hard time. God is good. <clears throat> He wants fellowship. He wants communion. He wants to spend time with us on a regular basis. That's his desire for us. It's his desire for us. We gotta understand what the word says. So we're gonna cover a few things over the next few weeks about prayer, what, what it looks like. There are several definitions of prayer and who, and who we pray certain ways for, like supplication, right? right out of, read Philippians 4, that, that short little verse 6, 7, and 8. And he said, Man, let your requests be made known to God with praise and thanksgiving and supplication. Supplication is just making a request. But he always starts with prayer and praise and thanksgiving. Make it with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you that you're good. Come on, we say that around here a lot, right? Lord, you're so good. Thank you. Be grateful. Come with a grateful heart. It sets you up. We'll talk more about this. I want to encourage you, though, to not set self-imposed standards of what prayer should look like in a religious package, to allow God to work in you and in your heart to say, okay, Lord, I'm good. God loves me. I'm not trying to earn anything. Lord, show me what it means, what it looks like to commune and fellowship with you, to spend time with you, to honor you, because I, I want to hear from God on a regular basis, and he wants to speak to you on a regular basis and give you instruction and insight and revelation into his word, because the more you know and the more you operate in faith, the more effective you can be for the kingdom. And when the time is short, and we live in a short, short window of time, we need to be the most effective that we can. Amen? So that means we gotta understand some stuff about hearing from God, talking to him, fellowship with, with him, not just labeling into, okay, I made all the requests, I got through the checklist, see you tomorrow. Right? Amen. You guys okay? It's gonna be a good week, I'm telling you. It'll be a good week. Pray some stuff out, believe God, agree with God about some stuff. Watch him move, amen? Can I pray for you?